presentation is looking at older mature students and, and what, what I've found actually looking at uh, some of the literature on mature students, and there is a lot of it, is that it didn't distinguish the ages. So there was quite often um, no age group given, just really um, that they were mature. And mature uh, student is defined as anyone over 21. So um, what I thought was that um, really uh, there's such a difference between someone who's 21 and someone who's 55, for example. Um, uh, complete generation, several generations perhaps. Um, so really what I wanted to do was, was look at some of those students and see how they felt about higher education, but particularly about undergraduate study. So it was looking at um, not so much the vocational kind of, or the postgraduate study, which, which is quite common for older students to be involved in, but the undergraduate study, um, and, and really what that meant for being an undergraduate student, and what undergraduate study was about. So that's how it happened. Um, took place in... Um, was called a post-92 university, a university which took in um, mainly what um, we call non-traditional students, uh, students who um, tended to be um, from um, older, older groups, but also uh, students who had um, uh, not really much of a background in terms of their families. Uh, of, of higher education, or even of further education in many cases. Um, so there was uh, ten, uh, 27 informants, and they were um, all undergraduate students, but also a few um, recent graduates of undergraduate courses. Um, so, um, and very, very mixed, um, mostly in their 50s, uh, some in their 60s, a couple in their 70s, and um, um, some in their late 40s. So when they were 48, 49, uh, they would have finished. Um, majority were um, women, which I think probably reflects uh, the the, the um, background for uh, the the um, group. Uh, Mixed, very mixed in terms of ethnicity, um, which reflected the kind of university again that that um, they were studying in. Um, so what what I, I looked at in terms of of um, examining their experience was um, Judith Butler's concept of of gender performativity and performativity in 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 this sense, is, is, is uh, very different from um, the kind of performativity that we've just been talking about. The, uh, it's not about performance management. It's about how we think about, um, uh, with our, our kind of unconscious um, way of being. So what we see as normal, i.e. Um, and, and she particularly looked at uh, constructions of, of gender and how gender is shaped 
um, and, and how we repeatedly perform a particular gender. Um, and um, looking at um, her definition of a performative is that discursive practice that enacts or produces that which it names. So looking, looking at how we continue to repeat um, uh, to form, um, and of course this changes, it changes over time. So our concept of, of a particular gender is, is different from what it might have been in the 50s, 1950s, or even more different um, hundreds of years ago, or in different societies, cultures, etc. Okay, so uh, looking at um, another definition was the, the act that one does, the act that one performs, as in a sense an act that's been going on before one arrived on the scene, i.e. Uh, something that um, we do um, without realising, because we've grown up like that, we've seen it everywhere, it's what other people expect of us. Um, so what, what, I, what I did was I, I, I thought about how we actually perform age. You're not acting your age, act your age. Um, so we get that really from usually very early on, what, 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 is, what is right for a particular age group. Um, for example, um, there was no such thing as teenagers. Um, Half a, half a century ago, they were invented. Now we have teenagers. We know what they are now. They're trouble. Whatever. <laughs> um, so, Butler suggested that performativity could be um, attached to other particular attributes. And um, this is just a quote from her. Is is um, just as uh, gender intersects with racial, class, ethnic sexual and regional modalities of discursive constructive identities. So it is possible not to, so I've said, so it is not uh, possible to separate age from its intersections. So looking at how we actually internalize ageism um, and coming back to education, how we particularly internalize age and ability to learn. So apparently there is um, such things as um, being able to, and, and quite often I think, I mean, um, we have how long it takes someone to learn something. Um, so we've got idioms such as you can't teach an old dog new tricks, which um, was actually said to me by a particular student. Um, and um, this expression, how we excuse ourselves. You know, oh, I'm having a senior moment, yeah? Because I've forgotten something or dropped something or all that. Um, senior moment. So I, I quite like this, this particular uh, quote from Cuddy et al. Um, people are more likely to attribute memory failures of older adults to intellectual incompetence and memory failures of younger adults to lack of attention or effort. 
So if they don't, if they don't understand immediately, it's probably because they weren't paying attention or they're lazy. If they're younger, but older, it's probably because they their brain is fading. And of course, um, Alzheimer's society um, shows that over ninety five, one third of people contact Alzheimer's, which means that two thirds over ninety. Ninety uh, years old are not. They're perfectly healthy brains, and of course, much much less if they're fifty or sixty, etc. And if we're thinking also about the the time span of um, how people actually um, work um, nowadays, I mean, we we have all this thing about the aging population, so. We have a 50-year-old will probably, predicted time, is another 35 years, yeah, in this country. So it's a long time to be kind of not doing anything. Yes. Um, okay, so looking at um, um, how people perceive themselves, so we've got... Um, also, how we perceive the idea of old, this old thing. So, if someone compliments uh, another person on something, so, oh, this old thing, I've had it since, you know, it must be rubbish. Yeah. Um, but um, looking, looking at um, this, I'm, I'm really looking at how the performativity of age um, actually penetrates how we um, look at undergraduate study. Um, and and how we operate undergraduate study as well. Um, so going back to the participants, and um, this is not one of them, by the way. Um, um, going back to them, I'm one of the first things that they were nearly always asked was, "What are you doing it for? Look, you're 55, you're 60." Goodness, you're 70. Why are you doing undergraduate studies? So I, I was quite interested in a comment that a question that came earlier, um, and um, because really you're past it, and you should just sort of get on with the knitting and looking after the grandchildren, all those age-appropriate um, things that um, you're supposed to be doing. Okay, um, but. Um, a lot of this criticism came, what are you doing it for, uh, so implied criticism, came from um, friends and family. Um, so they got into university, they're very happy with it, um, they, they're um, carrying on with their course, something they wanted to do for a long time, in many cases. Um, but their family and friends started sort of thinking, um, what is this going to affect me now that you're kind of off studying? Um, so, um, <coughs> some of the strongest reactions um, and, and, and some of the most exciting conversations I had was with with um, the participant group was was um, really about how they actually interacted with people outside um, and. And, and I think the fact that they were um, well into their 50s, most of them, um, 
they they actually um, felt that was quite a pull, and and you know they um, I'm not going to go into all what happened to all of them, but but some of them did actually have to um, change their relationships, um, move on basically. Um, so um, you know some of them got uh, quite strong comments. Um, so um, seriously weird. Um, what he was doing, why did you want to study at your age? Um, and uh, another one here was, was really just um, how um, his friends thought he was mad as a hatter anyway. So, you know, another thing that he was doing, a bit mad, you know, guess what he's doing now, you know. <laughs> so the, the, um, the way that they kind of rebuffed that was quite different actually in terms of um, men and women. The men um, were much less likely to tell anyone, um, and they were quite nervous about making other people jealous, um, other men jealous particularly. Um, and whereas the women were much more um, likely to say to our, to their friends, um, and in in a couple of cases they they mentioned that their friends were really impressed and in awe of it. Though there was other, there was other uh, teasing as well. Uh, partners were often a very serious problem uh, because um, um, they. Um, I mean, if you think about it, this person is not going to be there to make the dinner anymore, um, and um, they they're also not paying attention. They've got some another passion, so it's not even just the practical things. It's that. You know their mind is now somewhere else, um, so the fear of losing their partner, um, I think, was 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 one thing that, and and some of them tried to reassure their partners that you know they weren't going to go anywhere, you know, etc. etc. Um, but um, looking at also um, that um, women with male partners were saying that. Um, the male partner was quite often saying, look, you know, we're now retiring, let's, you know, go and sort of, you know, find a place in Spain or something like that. You know, we don't want to be doing this sort of thing anymore. Um, um, and sometimes also partners were concerned about income because, um, as, as mentioned before, um, this would mean that person was not going to work. Uh, regardless of fees, etc., which can be paid later or maybe not, um, they um, they may not actually uh, be there to earn money. Um, I want to move on now, really, to how um, participants looked at were looked at in the university. Um, but a big thing that came up was that they felt that their experience was not valued. Uh, even that some perceived that their lecturers found them a threat because they would, um, and this was uh, particularly on, uh, for example, a childcare course, that someone um, was saying, you know, that she had 30 years experience of, of um, working in nurseries, etc. And she was able to kind of um, talk about that, but 
uh, she found that she had to be tread very carefully because the lecturer seemed to be worried. Um, I wasn't there. I don't know what, what really happened, but that was her perception. Um, but, I mean, certainly um, others, that wasn't uh, that particular one, but um, I think you have to go into child mode. So uh, they felt that they had to really shut up and absorb whatever the lecturer said. So um, there was some uh, discussion from, from uh, earlier. Uh, Lynn mentioned a lot about recognition. Um, and, and this was like not being recognized. So um, you're here as a kind of blank slate and um, you're, not, um, you're not supposed to kind of have more knowledge than the lecturer. Um, so some felt that uh, quite strongly and um, also looking at, at how older students um, felt that they needed to comply really um, with, with a kind of be a c compliant subject um, that um, they were being fed, which is kind of contrary really to um, my understanding or my personal feeling about what higher education is about um, and um, looking at um, how the ideal learner is actually a compliance subject in higher education now and particularly with the employability focus in, in many courses um, you know is there a right way and a wrong way it's no longer a discussion Okay, um, also uh, Evelyn again looking at, at how um, university itself, like the um, actual physical environment, um, wasn't actually geared towards older learners. Um, and so um, looking at um, Evelyn's idea was was that the atmosphere is not geared for us you know the rooms the chairs everything not geared for us uh, toilets obviously they're saying we're geared for older people or they wouldn't be inviting us right yeah so um, thinking about is there a difference between what older people I mean she also um, several um, I think it was about a third of the the um, participants had disabilities um, which um, were not um, always obvious. Some were quite uh, very serious disabilities, but um, some were, were more minor disabilities where they had, um, and, and some were hidden disabilities such as arthritis. Um, so looking at um, how, how the university actually, and, and I, um, I also did a, a little bit of um, research apart from this on how universities images of, of who goes in front you know here here's the kind of student we would like to see yeah and so they're all kind of like happy smiling faces very rarely um, older students and certainly you know I can't remember seeing a, a, um, an older student of this age okay um, so looking at um, how um, oops. Um, 
students were actually um, why they were coming because um, in most cases they weren't well majority of cases they weren't specifically related in any way to their jobs or the the jobs that they wanted to do the employment i.e. that they might do um, so here's one participant um, and really again about recognition I think um, a degree would provide credence and open the access, open access to places that he had, from which he'd been excluded. So he felt that there was another life. Uh, this was someone who, who had uh, been a manual worker most of his life, and um, had um, um, decided that he he really wanted to say some things to society, and um, that um, he. Um, he thought that university was the only possible way that he could possibly do that. So that would open the doors so that he could be listened to as an authority rather than um, someone who just like talked in the pub or whatever. Um, so is that there are certain things I want to say um, and, and he said that they were issues around culture, race, identity, um, how people represent themselves. Um, and that if you have some kind of university education, you can say much more, and people perhaps listen to you than if you're just a layman with no qualifications. <coughs> um, so, so that was um, that kind of theme ran through several of the participants. Another um, theme was actually about being an example to the children, um, and I think that that's been seen in, in quite a few other studies is, is uh, to, to be an example to children, and sometimes they were older children, um, mostly in fact. Um, there was also a kind of game going on about employability. So Nigel, for example, um, said that he'd given employability reasons in order to get on the course, but he had no intention of, of going through it, but he knew that's what they wanted. Um, so, so um, he, um, he he gives them what they want. Um, and interesting, his idea was that um, university really is about getting people into the workplace. Um, and um, but that his ideas were quite different. So he he saw the other the other students. Most of them, uh, he felt that the younger students were were wanting to get a better job or to get a job sometimes. Um, but uh, I think it's quite interesting that um, getting people into the workplace as opposed to improving career prospects. So again, it's, it's kind of, I think, anti what my understanding of higher education is about. It's, not, it's about kind of getting the job, i.e. Um, getting, getting the, the mark on, on um, you know, the, so many people into work after your course, as opposed to actually um, you know, the long term. Um, in terms of generation gap, I mean, there's, there's this idea of the generation gap, which um, I, I think is it, at least as much as it ever has been. Um, only one student questioned why um, the participants were studying. Only one younger student. 
Um, so it didn't, it wasn't an issue for um, being in the classroom, um, but it was a big <coughs> issue being at home. Um, and just really thinking about how differences in generations. So it's, it's kind of like a, quite a theme really in the media about, and I think I, I, there's something on tonight which I probably can't remember what channel it's on, but it's about they've, they've stuck um, different generations in, into um, a house together, to live together. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen it advertised on TV, but anyway. Um, and you can see it's, a, it's quite a setup because they also have very different political views. So if you stuck like a, a house full of people with very different political views, you're going to get problems. So it, maybe it's not even about generations. So the generation gap is um, um, something that I think we've invented. Um, uh, I mean, because ma in many places there isn't that generation. Um, difference between generations are fueled by ages discourses. Um, but perhaps if the if there has a generation gap has has grown, perhaps one of the ways of of actually doing <coughs> something about it so it doesn't become a problem or keep being a problem. Is, is that actually putting people together, so learning together. Um, so just um, back to children, so as, as I said, um, the, oldest, the younger students didn't um, find it a problem, um, but also there was lots of role reversals. So um, this is one uh, person, uh, Pam, in the early 60s, um, showed her coursework to her son and he gave her feedback, helped her with it um, and she felt that she was getting on much much better with him um, <coughs> with this um, so um, Evelyn wanted um, hadn't really used computers much so um, her granddaughter helped her with that Nigel said that the bond had strengthened uh, with his daughter uh, because she now could you know, they had something in common, you know, how's the school? Yeah, my school was fine, yeah, what about yours, yeah? Yes? So, you know, I mean, every parent knows that if you ask a child how's school, they get a complete blank. You wouldn't know. Um, also, people who didn't have children, Angela, um, for example, um, grown-up children thought, thought it was great that she was studying, so she could talk to other, um, other people's children as well. Um, just really looking at this picture, I think it's quite interesting who the student is. Who is the student? So you can think about it in different ways. Um, but if you just looked at that without hearing what they said, or even maybe what they did say, um, there isn't really any clues. They're both looking at the same thing. Um, they've noticed something. Um, but I think older undergraduate students problemize the idea that the student should be young and the lecturer should be old. Um, um, and actually the participants were, were um, quite a number of them called themselves a child. I'm a child in, in this world and so on. So again, 
um, we've got we've got the performativity of age. So because because the student's supposed to be a child, <coughs> I'm a student, so therefore I have to be a child. Um, and it wasn't necessarily in a in a negative way. It was a child of the world sometimes as well. Um, so um, age ambivalence. Um, one of the things though that um, I have noticed is is that um, the invisibility of age uh, around mature students. So they're non-traditional, they've got problems, um, they're middle class, etc., etc. Um, so sometimes, um, and, and uh, several, I mean, all of the students, apart from two students from Africa, none of their parents or immediate family had been to higher education. Um, but, um, and, and one of the things that they noticed was that sometimes, especially those in the arts um, departments, were accused of doing it for hobby. So what hobby? This is my life. This is my passion. I want to learn this. It's nothing to do with... with um, um, Okay, so just really looking at mature students, um, and um, I'm going to have to really speed up because I don't want to take more time. Um, but um, just really looking at um, how mature students disrupt these, um, and I mean, in terms of policy implications, looking at prior experience, I mean, we used to have APL quite a lot, and I think it's kind of like faded. Um, and um, it applies to all students, not just older students. Um, older students kind of like show one extreme, perhaps. Um, but but I think also looking at how um, such admissions actually really fail the contract with with higher education. Um, and there isn't really. And probably, you know, for very good reason, financial reasons, any policy regarding older students. Um, but um, looking at, at how um, publicity, facilities, etc., um, within universities need to be thinking more about how students are different, different students within, within the same environment. Okay, so there's a, a list of, of the references that I've, I've used there, and um, I'm not sure how to go back to the beginning. <laughs> okay, all right. Thank you. Thank you.